Hey everybody, it's Pepper with a show note before we get going. This is kind of a different episode. It really should be called Last Minute Music, because this isn't so much a current events conversation today as it is an interview with, here I'll do a bad pronunciation number, Sondari Skolevalal of, (laughs) I'm so sorry, please don't kill me, of Moron Police. I hope you find the interview interesting and I hope it encourages you to go listen to frickin' Moron Police's music. It's really good. Is it a thing in Norway where if you say it's your birthday, sometimes, depending on what restaurant you're at, you can get all the wait staff to like, happy, happy birthday from Applebee's <laughs> to you. Like, is that a thing that happens? And then no, they give you a little cupcake no. and they leave? <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you, can, you can get sort of a, a cupcake, but, but nothing like that. It, it has this no. sort of like, it just stinks of corporate hell to, to be it's that. It's the worst. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Last Minute Politics. This is not a very political conversation, but this is the name of the show. We are joined today by Sandra Skolaval of Moron Police, who we have been fluffing up for the last, I don't know, month and a half. How are you doing, Sandra? And how is my pronunciation? Is that any better than usual? No. Uh, <laughs> Damn, it's more French than anything, <laughs> but uh, I'm not French. But it's fine. It, it, it's, it's better than most Americans. Uh, you are American. You're not Canadian, are you? I am not Canadian, but I have a mildly Canadian accent. Ah, okay. Well, that's <laughs> I have the no, gradually the... developed Chicago accent. Mild, but it's there. <laughs> oh, boy. We are joined, as usual, by Drag. And today we're going to have a conversation about uh, about music. If you've been listening to our, our show for the last few weeks, like I consume music in a weird way where I end up, I, I don't jump between. I've been listening to only Moron Police, nope. other than like random records from the 70s, for like the last six or seven months. Damn. And that's why, like, that's what eventually led to this. I went through Defenders of the Small Yard. My first song I ever heard was, was Black Woman. Yeah. And I'm like, what is that? Okay, let's go through the beginning. And I, like, I don't want to say that I was getting angrier and angrier. Because it's not. I'm just like, what the fuck? How is how is this this? Good? Who is this? How have I never heard of it? And then I go to your Twitter. And it's like they have like 20. No one's heard of them. Like this isn't a big act. What the? Fu-? And that's what eventually led to this rabbit hole of like I have a 7,000 word notes document that I've oh, yeah. <laughs> trying to put into words what I like about your repertoire so well, that's nice. So thank you very much for coming on. Like how how are you doing? It's it's 11 p.m. where you are. Yeah, it's 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 late. Uh usually I'm 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 up at these times anyway, but uh, now that I sort of work at 9 to 5 or whatever you call it. Uh, so I'm a bit I'm a little bit tired. Usually I'm more peppy, but right now I'm like <laughs> but, but I feel fine. That's actually where I want to start anyway. Yeah. I want to start by talking about like we we are both I guess what you would call Working class musicians. Yeah, I'm sure you talk to people and they're like, oh, "I'm in a band. And I'm a musician," and they assume that you're on in like limos and on mm. private jets all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Where everybody I know who's just like grinding it out out there, yeah, is, is grinding out out there. Like it's not a glamorous job. You do what you can to like support your music. What you've gone through a a few different jobs recently. Like what's what's your what's your how do you make ends meet at the moment? Like one singer guy to another? Uh, mostly I just work. But uh, I think it's sort of, should probably preface this by saying that like the, the work thing in Norway is quite different from America. I, I mean, I work basically four to five hours a day. And that's, I'm supposed to work uh, seven hours 45 minutes but you can just if there's nothing to do you just go home and you write that you were there for a full day no problem uh, and we don't work as much as americans and we also have like two months of uh, free time every year during the summer or whatever uh, so it, it, the point is that you have a lot of uh, time to do other things as well so it's perfectly possible to to work while doing music and you don't have to grind like uh, crazy you We're know. going to talk about the Nordic model, yeah. as is called, uh, in a bit. 
But that, that's good to hear. Like, I'm glad that that is the situation because otherwise you would just be like one of us, like working at freaking Burger King and like thinking about the music you would make. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, but that, that, that does happen because like uh, I need a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff that has to be in the right place for me to actually make music because I don't sit down and say I'm going to write a song. I fiddle with things. And then suddenly, oh, there's a song. So uh, there's, I need. It takes time to get into that headspace where that starts to happen. I can't just sit down like, okay, I got one hour. What can I do? Uh, that's not how it works. So, so the thing that I got set up, I got now is very good. I have like we talked about before we started this, uh, Steinway pianos that are just sitting there that nobody uses, that I can go and sit down and play as much as I want, and that really this, this accelerated the process again because I've been. Uh, as we've been moving between Bergen and Oslo, which is a long area, uh, things have slowed down significantly. But now things are going back up again, which is good. How long have well, you, how do you, you been like iterating or working on your ideal setup? You know, in my in my tech life, I it's not just I have my computer. It's how do I get everything in place so I don't have to think about getting everything in place when I want to actually do something. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I, I I suck at that. I my cable management skills are. I, I'm an AV technician. I'm sort of like I have a. I'm, they call me an engineer, but I'm not really. Uh, but I don't. I can't do cable management. There's cables everywhere here, and I, I always I get angry and I have to fix things every goddamn time. I'm gonna sit down and play some shit, but, uh, but that's not a problem. It, as long as it starts working. But usually it's just things just break down around me. I think I have. I, I've been using computers all my life, but for some reason they just break down around me. Everything I touch. You'll never try to stream. I have don't move Ugh. anything. We yeah. have audio, a camera, a computer, and I turn it off. I turn it back on, oh, and wonderful. every day something doesn't fucking work, yeah. <laughs> and I have to go <laughs> fiddle around with it either way. So like, you're not missing out. That's basically my job <laughs> though at, at the university where I work. I mean, <laughs> at least one part of it. There's like these. We have all these big ass conference rooms, and they've they've made they've made them so that. You just press one fucking button, it goes on, you talk to people on Zoom and whatever, and, and it works. But for some reason, sometimes it doesn't fucking work. And that's where I come in. Like, what's the problem here? It doesn't work. Okay. So we just turn off the computer and back on again. Does it work? Yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Has there been any fortunate overlap in the stuff you've had to do for the job that you get to bring to the music process? Uh, no, not really. It would be. Oh, it would well. be. I mean, the the only thing that I that I the feeling that I get from doing this sort of job that I do is I just every day I, I lose hope in humanity just a little bit more, because you know I, it's a, it's a school but it's like a higher education but the kids are like eighteen, nineteen, a little bit more than that, whatever, and they can't even turn off a goddamn computer. Some of them haven't even seen computers; they've just seen pads, right, and usually iPads. Yeah. So just every time they don't know they they don't know what a USB cable is or an HDMI cable. It's like you put the HDMI cable into the into the computer. Huh? Just put put it in. What's the HDMI cable, mate? So it's it's that one. And you just and even if after you've shown them like this goes there and the next day, how do I connect to the the screen? I'm like. But I worked in a public school and I tried really, really hard when I whenever I did have to talk to IT, I tried so effing hard to make sure that I like I already have turn it off back on again. I've already like it was my mission in life to make sure that whatever dude walked in the door didn't have to roll their eyes at me and I'm like, how do I open my email? I so yeah. badly did not want to be that person. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I don't I don't really mind like okay, so they didn't grow up like as internet was coming along as I'm assuming we all did, it sounds like it. Uh, and so you had this interest in technology, right? Because it was being developed in front of your very eyes. Uh, yeah, so you had to set up your computer for your mom or whatever, so you yeah. had to learn how to do all this stuff, because who else would? Yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting, but they, they don't. They just want things to work, and it's so ubiquitous for them, right? They've never lived in a in a world where there isn't internet, right? So This leads off this. You yep. just moved to Oslo, mm. which is big, big city, so but I know you grew up in not a big, big city, the small like comparatively city. for Norway. Oh, so like, what what was what was that like? Like I don't want to go. For, I, I'm trying not to ask the whole like. How did you start learning music? Did you have piano lessons? But like, what's your general? You started. What was your growing up life, and how? What does that compare to being in the, a relative metropolis? Yeah, it was fantastic. I grew up next to the sea. 
uh, and it's a small town on a small sort of, uh, it's a half island. There's an English word for that, not Arpialago, not that one, but there's another one. Anyway, it's a very, very beautiful place, especially during the summer. It's not your typical Norwegian place because it's, it's warmer because it's as south as you get. There's lots of rain and wind and shit. Uh, but also, you know, uh, there there's there's a lot of music around there, but there's no, I mean, there's no scene. I guess you would say that you can't you can play at the local bar, right? <laughs> and there's nothing. There's there's no just very little to help you sort of do anything really. Uh, but it's not it's not like a backwaters little shit town. It's not like that. It's it's very 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 nice and warming place. Great place to to grow up. Uh, but. Uh, That's good. Yeah, I grew up in a really tiny the town you just described. It was mm. eight hundred people, and everyone sucked. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good thing about Falsen that people do. Most people do not suck. It's a it's a very nice place, and there, there's no clicks in the form that uh, me and my friends were very geeky. We played Dungeons and Dragons and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Hell yeah! But we all but we also played uh, football. What you guys called soccer uh, and uh, all these other sports. You were just because you like Dungeons and Dragons didn't mean that you had like you. There were no little boxes to be put in, like, oh, they're the Dungeons & Dragons kids. We don't like them. Uh, You were just with everybody. So the the sport jocks were hanging with us, and there wasn't, like, sort of this uh, bullying sort of culture. Everybody was just with everybody. And when you go drinking in in Falsum, when you go to the local bar, you'll be talking to people who are 60 years old, and you'll be talking to 18-year-olds and everything. Everything just... it just melts together very nicely. At least it did in my. Uh, is that typical time. in Norway, or is, do you have a really nice town? Uh, no, it's not unheard of. It's a very nice town, but it's not unheard of. In, in Oslo uh, and most bigger cities, you get the clicks. You get the Outland kids. And Outland is the the store that sells all the Warhammer stuff and all the comics, and Ooh. they're like a chain. The big everybody Ooh. loves Outland. But the kids that hang out there, and you got your fair share of furries there as well. Uh, they get, you know. Oh, we know them. Yeah, <laughs> you get boxed into that sort of a uh, thing. And so there's. I was going to thing... bring up Nordic Fuzzcon, but that is in Sweden. It is not in Norway. <laughs> ah, yeah. I've only heard of uh, what was the just Furrycon and what a <laughs> what a disaster. Oh, the that U.S. Was. has there's one every week. Oh, there's like yeah. one per state, almost per weekend. Damn. But even in the Nordic countries, there's probably four or five per year that you could call like an actual convention and then little meets all over the place. I'm very fascinated by it. Like I, I, I know friends who are both like sort of not disgusted, but like very, very freaked out by it. And for me, I'm not freaked out, but I'm just, I just don't understand where it came from. And just, it went from like zero to hundred very quickly in my eyes. Like suddenly everybody's wearing fur costumes. Yeah, Gen Z, like our generation, I'm, we're almost the same age. I'm 30 now, and you're, uh, I think, just above that, right? 32. But yeah. it seems generationally, our gener, like the the first internet generation, we had that wave of like revulsion to like furries are bad, and, and like yeah. Gen Z kids just don't give a shit, and they'll wear ear. They sell tails at fucking Hot Topic now. Like it's just not a big what? deal. <laughs> Jesus. A big part of it too is there were a couple of like landmark in the public eye things that acted as the accelerant for as awful yeah. as that furry. Uh, crime show, which the NCIS or whatever. The CSI. CSI. <laughs> whatever. Almost. Ooh, I got like, a couple of general things and then I want to jump into it. We're going to kind of go like album by album. We're going to like spending more time as we go through from a uh, propaganda machine up to Boat on the Sea. But yeah. uh, like some ge- a couple of general things. So like Boat on the Sea is, is like... I don't want to call it like your your move to be to like pop music, but mm. as a pivot, that is easily the highest production value, the, the most I don't know digestible. Like in, mm. it sounds like it came from the industry. Did it have <laughs> the effects that one wants when you make an album like that? Like was it a breakthrough? And what is your core audience? Is it like rando internet people like me, <laughs> or is it others in Norway? Yeah, I mean it's uh. It, it wasn't intended to be that way at, at all. It just that's just how the songs popped up. And like it's not like we had any sort of major label backing or anything. It just that's the songs that I made and I like them. So. I see it more as like your experience just shining the thing up. I don't mean that in like the derogatory label sense. It's just like you, oh geez. oh yeah. Uh, no, well I'm I'm I, I do. Ooh, I, <laughs> I got do, a like, couple of general stuff, things. And I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that. I, I I'm a sort of a mixer when I don't mix my own music. Because I've always uh, wanted to have like the best sound I can possibly get on our shoestring budget, right? Uh, and so for Bon on the Sea, it was actually cheaper for us to to fly to New York and mix it with Mike Watts, the same guy who does the the Deer Hunter. 
If you haven't heard them, you should hear them. Uh, yeah, so, I, I've. Yeah, so it was it was cheaper to do that, and like we do, we record the drums in the, the best studio we could find in Belgium, where I lived previously, and then we did the rest ourselves, and got it mixed pretty well. And uh, and I'm a big fan of overdubbing. I mean, I will dub things to hell and back. Oh, so uh, this is me. This brings me to the like when I've talked about listening through the album and being like angry. That's not the right word, angry, but yeah. like your production value and your level of overdubbing. Like it's just so in my freaking breadbasket of things I like yeah. and things that I put into my own music. And then I'm reading through the backing things like, oh, they went to this studio. Oh shit, that's like when I made this album. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel a lot of like cross Atlantic kinship with what you're doing <laughs> over there. Yeah, that's good. That's good. No, I'm a big, big fan of that. And I'm like, I'm not the greatest vocalist in the world, but I'm, I'm good at making harmonies and shit like that. You need that. to shut the fuck up. I love your voice <laughs> so <you>. much. <laughs> Thank you. I have this written down as a sentence. I have, don't you dare ever say you're a bet. Like, I have this in front of me. I, I do say it a lot, though, but it's just because, like, I, I used to not be able to sing, and I've gotten better at it as I've gone along and learned stuff about my own voice. I used to sing with, like, a James Hetfield sort of snarl, and it just fucked my voice up, and so I started singing with a clean voice, because I was, but I was scared of doing that, because it was, like, too softer. Effeminate, maybe? But then I figured out that It's going to sound like a backhanded compliment. When I first heard you, I assumed you were a vocalist who then learned some guitar, like me. And it's like, oh no, they're mainly a guitarist. (laughs) Mainly a guitar and piano, but I just made my own songs. And and I've tried getting other people to sing them, but just it it took the joy of the whole thing away. It's something about playing and singing that it just does something nice to my body. Yeah, never do that. Sing your own songs. Yeah. Like hearing your voice. I can also you you sing in my range, which also makes me yeah. Th- that's that's also a thing, right? I I grew, growing up, I fucking loved power metal, and I was always I just could I can't I can't hit those notes those really yeah. fucking high notes, but it sounds like cats being uh, killed and raped. Uh, so I just couldn't do it, right? <laughs> so I found like this is where I can work, and this it sounds good, and it's pretty limited, but I can I can I can do shit here. You know, I'm I'm also yeah, a power metal that. fan, so I'm curious. Like, like what's a couple like of your... the quick uh, greatest hits or favorites of yours in the genre? Well, growing up, uh, for some reason, the first power metal band that I really uh, liked was Blind Guardian, and I still I still fucking Hell love yeah. Blind Guardian. I still fucking love them. And, and Every time and they also, come through the states, I see them live. Every time. Yeah. Oh man, I've I've seen them twice. That's all that I've ever had a chance to see. I could have gone to Germany, I guess. Uh, the other band is uh, at least when I was a kid it was Sonata Arctica. Uh, and the reason for that is it's really fucking catchy. It was like pop music to me, just with cool guitars and drums and really, really fast. I don't. They've gone to shit as far as I'm concerned now, but they used to be really good. <laughs> You've also yeah. mentioned uh, uh, Dream Theater a whole bunch, which was also yeah. especially for high school me. Like mm. after I found Metallica, Dream Theater and Iced Earth were it. Yeah, I loved Iced uh, Earth as well. I, I think I got I went to Iced Earth via Blind Guardian because they used they have that Demons and Wizards yep. where they had uh, before Schaefer went, you know, insane uh, and stormed the yeah. Capitol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah which, Jesus Christ! Which, how many people stormed the Capitol? Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's not like, even a fucking exaggeration, and we don't have to get into that now. But I remember looking at some of these pictures on Reddit and all these people in in the uh, in the Capitol, and suddenly I said, "That's fucking that's fucking Schaefer. There he is." And it, it, is? it was fucking him, <laughs> fucking songwriter for Ice Earth. He's he's held federally and is uh, not okay right now. No, it's freaking ridiculous though, because we just voted in several people who were storming the Capitol into office, yeah. like yesterday, today. Like oh. the results came out today. The oh, election Jesus. was yesterday. Like Jesus, right. uh, I'm not surprised really. But uh, we can, we can are you get into, into pro that. wrestling? Oh yeah, baby. Do you, do you oh, follow yeah. pro wrestling? Do you see freaking Chris Jericho's wife? <laughs> was it the- <laughs> She, Chris Jericho's oh. wife, was at the, the, the storming? Yeah, yeah. She was at the Capitol on the sixth. Was Stormy Daniels at the storming? Really? <laughs> no, she's not. She's not a Trump person. No, she was just a fucked pun. him once and then oh, pissed on him it. or something. <laughs> I think it was, there was something about a piss tape. Yeah. No, I, I love. I oh, I still wrestling. want the piss tape to be real. Yeah, That's all I, I want for it, Christmas. It probably is. I mean. Yeah, it could be. Who hasn't been pissed on a You can like piss. That's fine. I don't want to yeah, sh- yeah. shit on piss people. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, just <laughs> where has it. this gone? Keep piss right sanitary. in your own mouth. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Anyway, 
<laughs> no, but yeah, but back to yeah, Dream Dream Theater. Yeah, I really like Dream Theater. And before, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then I got sort of, yeah, they 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 used to make very creative technical music that where the technicality was sort of second to the songwriting. It sort of blended together very well. And after uh, the last, I don't know, five six albums have been just sort of like generic metal riffing and just solos. So the the one where they started to lose me was Train of yeah. Thought, and then everything after I haven't really been into. But Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence and yeah. Scenes from a Memory Part 2 are some top-tier stuff for me. What was it like? We were just talking about uh, studio things and you know home studio without a label organizing the things for you, doing all the logistics yourself, trying to do it as cheaply as possible. Mm-hmm. What was it like getting that orchestra on track one? Like, What was that process? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's a bit strange. Uh, uh, there was... Uh, the the the, uh, the biggest town next to us, Kristiansand, which is sort of like it's a proper town, uh, they had an orchestra and they still have it. And they were doing this thing where local bands from the area could perform three songs with the orchestra for this big event. So we were like six bands. One of the bands was Rendezvous Point, oh, cool. which uh, has uh, Bold Kolsta, the drummer from Leprous. He wasn't the drummer in Leprous oh. then. Uh, but yeah, so, so it was a really cool thing. So we played Charlie's Enormous Mouth, Teabag Your Grandma, uh, and who's that chicken? Maybe I don't know. So, uh, but it was recorded. But it was recorded pretty crappily because it was a new, uh, new venue, and they hadn't really got everything up and running. But so uh, I was, I managed to like get a re- get the recording and get it cleared so we could use it, which was not easy apparently. But we did have a manager at the time who had some cool. Sounds freaking great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like it. <laughs> I mean, really the, the, the first album is not mixed well, but uh, I don't know. I don't listen to it a lot. But when I go back, it's like, ah, it's not so bad. Well, I don't. Here's a. Oh, there's going to be a few a few of these as we go through, where we, where we just ask specifically in this song. Were you thinking of this? And feel free to just like yes, no on those. Because sure. <laughs> we just feel like we hear things in the music and we want to swing. Like that's got to be this, right? Uh, like in Charlie's wanna, enormous mouth. Don't want to ruin it for you, then. Do you? Oh, freaking no! No, oh, I want to be told no. Okay, realize okay, you, okay. you can tell me I'm completely wrong with my interpretations. That in no way hurts my enjoyment of my interpretations. Yeah, okay, of okay, I'm, I'm more good. curious <laughs> than anything else. Okay, sure. yeah, we just want to know. So like. Here's here's one. Uh, Charlie's enormous mouth. Was there intentionally dream theater influence on the bridge of that, or does it just happen to sound like? It? What's the bridge? Basically, like a minute thirty in, it slows down, and then the twin guitar stuff starts happening, and it sounds very similar to like that bridge section of Fatal Tragedy, or even the instrumental bridge section in uh, Blind Faith. It just immediately, oh. I heard that, and I go, oh, the dream theater fan in me is very happy with this song. Yeah, no, no, it, it's not. So that I'm assuming that's a no. Not, it, 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 I was listening to Dream Theater during that time of my life, so I might have snuck in. No, but there, there is one very, very blatant ripoff in that song, and I, and and it's from a, a Super Nintendo game, uh, and I, and I I steal one melody from that game in every album that I make, but I won't tell you what game it is. Are we allowed to know? I play no. a lot of SNES games. Uh, it's, no, we got to dig. I'm gonna listen though. It's an RP. Well, it's 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 a very famous RPG, and it's not Final Fantasy VI, and it's not Chrono Trigger. Ooh, <laughs> that's it's Final Fantasy IV. No, 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 it's not Final Fantasy Mother Two. No, no, no. That would be much more wacky. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll, fuck it. I, I don't really care. I'll just tell you. Uh, it's um, uh, Hiroki Kikuta, uh, Secret of Mana. Uh, the, oh, the, the chorus, man, I would have figured that out eventually. <laughs> yeah, the, the chorus uh, of uh, Charlie's Enormous Mouth is directly ripped from the dun 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 One of these sort of sad songs in the game. I'm glad we got at least one out of this. Because yeah. I like I write songs, I do that kind of shit all the time, so I'm like, they're, I know they're in there. They're probably yeah. not the ones I'm going to guess. But usually but I, I never I never do that on, on purpose. Usually like the songs just appear as they are, but for some reason I just learned to play that on piano, and it just, well, this, these chords work, and, and it just started to be a thing. So on every album I've made, there is, maybe not from Secret of Mana, but there are a few more of those, but I at least take one or two melodies from one of my favorite like Super Nintendo games and sort of sneak them in there. And to me, they're very obvious, but I understand that other people don't pick up on them. I, I love Easter. We, I call them, you know, we have a lot of people call them Easter eggs like that, and that's a lot of fun. Mm. Oh, yeah. They're meant as This is going to sound eggs. like a backhanded compliment, but the way we try to describe to just other Americans we're trying to convince to listen to your music mm. is we'll sometimes say that, uh, that Moron Police sounds like... B- butt rock but if it was very good 
Do you know even what that is? That in a purely American, like have you heard the phrase butt rock? Yeah, I have, but it's I sort of attribute that just like I don't know Judas Priest or something like like dad rock. I think more not butt rock. Butt rock comes from stations in America who would say we play nothing but rock. Oh, and butt rock, and that's what yeah. it's, but and now it's just yeah they put two T's and they call it butt rock. Uh, when I think of that, I'm thinking more like stained. Oh, and freaking in the middle of who's that chicken? The slowdown bit. Yep. Ooh, like the 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 overdubbed <laughs> harmonies you do, and just the freaking four one four. Like they aren't complicated. It's not intricate music, but it's just yeah. so freaking effective, and I would call beautiful. Like, thank you. Take butt rock and beautify it, and that's what <laughs> beauty <laughs> rock them. But you know what rock. I mean? It's freaking nice. It brings tears to the corner of my eyes, and I don't even know why. Just just uh. purely from the music. I don't know how to explain it. On the surface, and judging from a lot of people's responses to your music, especially uh, Small Yard and uh, and the first one, if you go through YouTube YouTube comments or Bandcamp, it's a lot of people saying like, "Oh wow, what a fun silly band." Mm. When I'm listening to it, like on the surface, you hear these fun guitar lines, major chords, big harmonies, and like I should be just rocking along, having a great time, turn my brain off. Mm. But something about the combination of chords and lyrics, like it hits me. In the same way that other people are hit by, like, like Celine Dion or something. I'm sitting here going, I'm screaming the lyrics to frickin' the, the middle section of Teabag Your Grandma, like, wow. with my eyes watering, and I'm not sure what... So, like, what is... How does it feel to put so many layers of meaning into your songs that you know 90% of people aren't going to dig into in the first place? Yeah, I mean, it's just the way that I write. I, I, I think I... When I started doing that, I was just well, this is how I write music, and I and I sort of I thought that people would pick up on it, and that they would see sort of past the silliness of the name, and like like it seems obvious to you. Yes, it seems obvious to me, and that's something that I, that's something that I deliberately changed with the boat on the sea. That I I sort of open the bag a little bit, and make it a little bit more obvious what I'm singing about. But I think a lot of it can be sort of you you. I think that's what maybe that was happening with you. They sort of pick up on the intention and the feeling of the stuff. It's because I think that's very that's it's kept in there the way that I it, those songs make me feel I feel fucking great singing those songs and playing those songs like nobody puts that much effort into just a fucking around song which no. is what they may appear to some on the on the surface mm, but but I, I learned very very early to not like uh, not get irked or angry or any like or upset that people don't pick up on it because you can't really expect that from people when you're called more in police and at the time your most favorite. Uh, popular song is called teabag your grandma so <laughs> i'm so freaking numb to it that title didn't even hit me i'm just like listen all yeah fucking teabag whatever yeah. like i've already listened to uh, why does it hurt when i pee and i came out this that's a zappa song yeah, from like yeah. the 70s how is anybody still like shocked by song titles yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah that, that's i mean frank zappa asked the question does humor belong in music and sort of the answer that i said was like no not really apparently but just, but it, but <laughs> not not in a if you if you want to have a mess sort of a, or a, a big appeal you can't really you have to go all in on the humor. You can't have it as a part of what you're doing. Frank Zappa made a he 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 did it, but that was a different time. Now you you have to either go all in or you can't do it really. Well, here's another reason I feel such a freaking like I don't know kinship. <laughs> I need a better word than that. But I the. The only reason I have any kind of musical career is because I wrote a song called No Cock Like Horse Cock, yeah. which is an internet meme at this point. Mm. And I, I don't know if it's just through luck or what, but my two most popular songs are one, which is a fucking swing ballad thing called When I Die, which is not comedic, mm. and then the horse song. And I... <laughs> I have like two different groups of people who listen to my music. There's all the meme kids who just like that one song. And then there's people who heard the one song and then listen to the rest of it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that, 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 that's Do you have that? Like, yeah. yeah I, with Teabagger Grandma, it used to be a little bit like that. But at the same time, we didn't have many people listen to us. We had, I mean, we had sort of a, a following in Norway and, and some other places after Defenders because we did play a lot, of, a lot of shows live. And we're a very good live band, I'm not afraid to say. Uh, we don't use any uh, backing tracks or anything. We just play them as good as we can. But yeah. Uh, it's really impressive to me. Yeah. I, like I watch the, you play fucking Steve Jobs all the way through in one take. I'm like, how is that humanly possible? No, uh, that's. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, it, it was a hard one to to I, I I tried to make that one hard. I remember trying like okay, let's make it hard. And it is hard, but it's it, because I made it. It's is that easier. the impossible folk riff in the middle? I spent twenty minutes sitting there going. I cannot make my hand oh, do oh, it. Yeah, like, the, the, that that chromatic thing. 
You're just sitting there bored. Because I've played it a million times, right? So it's not, I don't have to learn it. And it was like that when I made it. I think you mentioned you said uh, you use OpenSea tuning. Yep. Yes, I uh, do. Another metal prog person I really like, uh, Devin Townsend, is yep. always OpenSea tuning and had yep. comments similar to, oh, I'm, it's not that I'm a shitty guitar player, it's I'm in the wrong tuning. And then when he switched mm. to it, it just like unlocked a lot of stuff. Do you feel similar to that? Do you know Devin? Do you follow Devin Townsend at all? Yeah, I met him a couple of times, but only after shows oh, and stuff. Cool. But yeah, he is the reason why I play Open C, not sort of because uh, as a tribute, because just he just talked about the tune. He was like, oh, what the fuck is this tuning? Let's try it out. And the same thing happened to me. It was like, ah, this makes a lot of sense to me. And I'm also pretty lazy, so it's just because it's an octave tuning, right? So if you want to sweep a major chord, you just hold down one finger and you go brrrr. <laughs> so uh, it was it, it appealed to my laziness and it's also so it's very versatile that you can play really heavy and it's also beautiful to play with a, a copper which I do uh, to play you can play clean acoustic music on it and it's just I still play standard tuning in another band that I play in Major Parkinson uh, but it, it, it that feels more like a hindrance when I play in open open tunings or open C it feels it starts to feel like the guitar is an extension of my body which is sort of what yeah but how wants. do you play a minor chord that, that's how I don't I I only ever do standard tuning, and other tunings seem uh, like fucking hieroglyphics well, to me. You can do different. I mean, you just you just same same as in any sort of major. You take the the major third and put it down a, a notch, right? Yeah, but if you're barring a major one, how do you get one oh. the third? Below? Yeah. Well, you, you you can do two things. You can either take the high E and turn it down a half step, right, and then you're in minor, or you can just not play the highest one, and then add the minor third uh, somewhere else with your other finger, right? If you just sweep, oh, hold right. your finger down and just sweep the whole chord, it's, it's a major chord, right? So, but you can you can easily work around that. The problem with open C is that you're very locked to C because it's hard it's hard to modulate around because uh, it's such an open tuning. But after I got an Evertune guitar or a guitar with an Evertune bridge, I can now swipe the the the, the cop board, or you say capo, I don't know, uh, wherever I want, and it still it still one. sticks and it stays in tune now. So that's opened up a lot of possibilities, and I can modulate. But I also write a lot on piano and stuff like that. So, yeah. Quick one, Cabo. Fuck yeah! The, the fact that you wrote an entire song about Arrested Development. Yeah. It's just. <laughs> great. It's not even about. It's just like a, here's a series of things in Arrested Development yes. in a song. Yes. Yes. I don't know why. I, I can't. I can't remember why that happened. But I, I really, really, really loved the first two seasons of, or three seasons, I guess. The original run of Versa yeah. Development. Three. So uh, there's three, right, yeah. And so I had that song, and it was just, that's how the lyrics came out, you know? And I was like, I fucking love Arrested Development. Why not? I know people, other people love Arrested Development. They'll, they'll probably like this. Oh, my God. It just makes me like the song more, and then I get to go, oh, yeah, I remember two Lucille's. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, reference I that I understand. Remember Blah Blah's Blah Blah? Oh. Do I say, yeah, I do sing. I, I, it's been a while since I've uh, gone through those songs, but yeah, Blah 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 Blah. I do. Fucking anus tarts in there. Come yeah, on. Yeah, 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 true, true. That means, so that, but that does mean that I wrote it after the new season, the first new season came out. Yeah. So yeah, that's my which I liked. People didn't like that apparently. I, I, I like it. I, I I liked a lot about it, but it was it was sort of grating when you could see that they were like they couldn't get everyone in the same room, so it was green screened in and stuff. But there was some really oh, sure. funny stuff uh, as well in there. It was it was good for what it was, and it's the best they could do with the resources they had. I, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. So Cabo has very specific, meaningful lyrics. You use a lot of meaningless is like the wrong word because mm -hmm. these all sound like negative, <laughs> negative <laughs> terms. But you use either scat between scat singing, like you write lyrics that walk the line of poetry and scat singing. I'm I'm a big fan mm -hmm. of word choice based on aesthetics rather than like literal meaning. Just like what fits the melody and what the yeah. the tenses I'm going for. Like Bill Wirtz does. The, you know. mm -hmm. Do you start out with the intent to write? Like, this is going to be a scat section. This is going to be just syllables. Or does it just kind of happen as you're doing it? It just happens, like, when I'm doing it. It just falls down from the from the heavens. And it just ends up that. So sometimes it's an entire song. Sometimes it's it's two minutes of a song, whatever. And then maybe two years later, the rest of the song appears. And that's, that's the thing. It doesn't... I, I can't just put, like... It, it, it has to fit together and I know when it's right I can make something two years later and I'll instinctly, uh, instinctively know that ah this is supposed to be with that other thing I made two years ago and I'll take it ah yep yeah, yep yeah, there you go 
And that's the only way I really write. When I when that doesn't happen, if I force it out, I just throw it away. I've I've got a lot a lot of songs that they're not bad, but they just they did weren't written like that, like from from up high. I'm not religious, but that's how it feels like. It feels like it would be, it's being beamed into my skull. It's a little bit jumping ahead, but uh, there's some you know themes or riffs that seem pretty similar between the propaganda machine and then onto defenders of the small yard is that like you was it was one was that on purpose two if it was was that kind of what you're talking about where the first pass wasn't what you wanted or it just it felt right and belonged somewhere else as an improvement oh no no not really and that that's just uh that's really just coincidences but also when you're in open sea and that was before i started using capos i think i use a couple on stomp that goomba i think that was the first one that i did it on uh, but it's just you there's not that many that much you can do really <laughs> so sometimes you know <laughs> it'll be a little bit similar i mean uh, on uh, on a boat on the sea there's a couple of chord patterns that go through the whole album and on the next album uh, i'm writing there's like four chords that are repeated in basically every song, modulated different places, but it's the same sort of thing because I like the way those chords feel. Uh, and so well, I'll, I'll I, use the I same I had chords. to cap my notes. I had to cap my note. Your EP came out while we were while I was writing like I don't know script notes. Ah, yeah. And I had to like intentionally go. I'm stopping here because I will write another ten thousand words if I, <laughs> if I listen to anymore. <laughs> But I am excited to get to that. Like I said, I, I tend to obsess, and I, uh, the, I listen to an artist at a time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> so that'll good, be uh, that's a good thing to do. Hard if it is Frank Zappa, because then you'll be lost for 30 years. Oh, you, I pick one album, and I just cycle it. I eventually, yeah. I now get Joe's Garage. Like, I get it. Yeah. I listen to it enough times. <laughs> I, I don't get the entire thing, so but, talk- but a lot of it, yeah. But sorry, yeah. Before I get away from nonsense, oh, like for you mentioned, stomp that goomba. Yeah. I spent so much time sitting there learning the fucking roll that motherfucker. Blah, blah, blah. The other one I have yeah. just gotten my head around is in Captain Awkward. How do you do you count the like complex rhythmic bit in the beginning, or is that you feel that? Like, is that a counting metric thing, or do you feel the rhythm and just do it? The 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 verses. The going to the movies, yeah, going yeah, to the mountain. No, I, no, I don't no, want to better Like, no, is no, that, that counted? I, I don't count anything. Uh, that's just uh, that's how the riff was made. I, I made the riff first, and then I said, like, "Oh, let's, let's try singing this." And like, oh, this works. And there you go. It's nothing. In this video, I'm going to attempt to write it out in sheet music, and I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not. I, I don't think it's. It's. Is is it an odd time signature? It might be. It's. It's just. Well, it's, it's just the. I don't want to do it a bit. I don't know. Yeah. I don't like that doesn't lock into the normal four unless you're just doing a slight pause in one bit. And I'm sitting there. I have gone over it a hundred times. Like, yeah. I'm going to stick it in a metronome. I'm going to bring out the software. <laughs> oh, no, not the software. I'm going to figure out what the what the hell is going on. But it's also it's almost good to hear from you. Like, yeah, I just do that. That's just a figure that I do. Yeah. I did not sit and go, OK, this is in 13 eight. And then there's a bar of one eight. <laughs> no, and no, like, no. <laughs> but, but sometimes I'll make a riff and, and, and uh, I, I can obviously tell that, oh, this isn't something weird. There's some weird shit going on here. And then I'll, I'll count it out afterwards. Like, oh, I'll be like impressed with myself. Oh, I did this. Wow. And then usually I figure it out afterwards. <laughs> we can just count it in four four. I was like, oh. Yeah, this isn't one of those, and that's why I'm so freaking stuck on it. It does not fit into the 404, and the snare is right with you, which blows my mind. Every single snare hit is dead on with you, so like you're both synced for that. Like, who recorded first? Yeah, usually uh, I'll record demos of, th- of things. It depends on if we're doing it on a click track or, or not. Uh, but for that song, I remember we I, I'd made I make copious amounts of demos to sort of like narrow down exactly what I want, and then he plays on, on top of that. And we do a couple of takes. Uh, he doesn't really need a lot of takes. And we comp it. And then you have to choose, like, do we want it to be completely on the grid or do we want it to breathe a little bit? Usually we want it to breathe a little bit. Uh, but 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 he's good at that stuff. Like, for example, on the on the second album, Defenders of the Small Yard, we tried doing that. I had the demos and stuff. And he, he just he didn't, he didn't like the groove. He didn't like it. So what he did was he recorded the entire album just by himself with, with no with nothing uh, on this <laughs> oh, he had a click he had a click that's it he had a click but no other backing tracks and he just recorded the whole damn thing that was impressive I was like so for, 
Yeah. For non-musicians, that's like saying, oh, he ran and caught the ball wearing a fucking blindfold. Like, that's yeah. crazy hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean uh, he'll be the first to tell you that he's not the most, like, he, he doesn't go for the most technical things, but but he, he can do stuff like that, which is very strange. Uh, and he, he he's not very good at counting odd time signatures. He's gotten better. I sort of forced him to do it. But he, but he just sort of, like, he learns the riff, and he knows the riff in his head, so he knows how to play to the riff. He doesn't think, well, this is 13, this is 7. I just like just follow the ref, man, and he and he does. So for freaking undersea, you're not sitting there going one two three four one two three one two three four one two one like they're not. You're, no, 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 just, no. You just feel that shit. Yeah, that, that's that's how <laughs> that's how it was made. I, I don't think it was exactly like that when I made it. I think I purposely added like one or subtracted one at some point here and there just because I wanted to shake it up. But but I counted it af- out afterwards, and I, I remember. I ha- we had to count that part, me into uh, the drummer, just so he'd get it in, because otherwise it was just, uh, but now, now it just, we don't count it at all. It's just, that's how the riff is, so it feels very natural. You don't have to think about it. I'm at that point with it freaking too. I love that you just took the normal ass, a normal ass, like, chord progression that fits into an even 4-4, four, four, and you're mm. like, what if we just do these chords, but, okay, the first chord gets seven beats, the second one gets three, the third one gets four, and the last one gets two. Like, yeah. ah, but really, the fun like thing it. about that about that riff as well, it uh, th- that was the one I was thinking about. Oh, this is what what is this? This sounds very crazy. It, it actually you can play it in four four. Uh, yeah, it does even out. It's it just does, how you feel about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it does actually even out. Because you put a seven and a three next to each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not good at math, so I, I was disappointed because I thought like, ah, oh, I've made a very progressive riff. I'm a very progressive boy, and then it's, well, it's I like prefer. Yeah, what my challenge is, I try to do weird riffs that also do fit into 4-4, four, four, but you're mm. convinced they aren't. I kind of like that. Because yeah. you'll be sitting there trying to figure it out and eventually go, oh, this is just a 4, but like over a long <laughs> enough period of time that I lost track of it. Yeah, I like I, that. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know enough, uh, really, I I don't care enough about theory to actually sit down and like figure it out. So that's basically just, that's the way the songs come out. And sometimes some, some other person will tell me, well, this actually is just 4-4. Four, four. It's like, you son of a bitch, I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but nobody feels it is just 4-4 four, four, unless you're like me and no, sitting there yeah. going one, two, three, have it. <laughs> I, but I, when we play that live, I, I like to sort of, I, I like to, to count out the, the measures for the audience and then like, let's see if you can clap along. Here we go. And I'll mouth one, two, three, four, five, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three. And yeah, this is, some people actually do, but most people just look at me like I'm an idiot, which is true. So you've answered a question. I was going to ask, like, what's your classical music background? None. None. <laughs> I, well, that I, is that, fucking crazy to me. I, I'm I'm self-taught, uh, but I did have I did, I did have some, uh, uh, like a, a year of piano lessons when I was a kid, but it was incredibly boring and I didn't learn anything. It was a nice guy though, but I did have a very good music teacher in is it I guess it's high school. I think it's high school. It's comparable. Uh, he he was high a guy for from, us is fourteen to eighteen. Yeah, yeah. That that's the that's the the thing uh he was from uh, he had a degree from harvard he's a very strange person he's called brian breifendahl and he was a wonderful he is a wonderful teacher uh he is very religious and uh he moved to lista i don't know but he he chose to live a life of in celibacy or uh, whatever you call that it's very strange uh it was on a tv show here but he was very very good when it com- came to theory and everything and he sort of understood that well okay i can't really get sonla to do his homework but maybe I but he just gave me little <laughs> things to do that he knew that I would like while the rest of the class had to like work on circle of fifths but this was this wasn't like a, a, a it was a class but it was like two hours a week right so it wasn't a lot so I, I just just basically got to, to fuck around with different stuff and he gave me A's for doing it so I was like you're the greatest Brian some of the chord progressions on on this uh, on your songs like sounds like that you could plug them into an opera or like a Vivaldi mm. piece, and that's the kind of chord development that you get there. Mm. Like I don't like I'm not uh, I'm not one of those people who's like oh if you're not paper trained you're not like a real mus- no, <laughs> musician or that because a lot of the people I went to school with couldn't fucking like hang they couldn't like feel a rhythm and jump into the song which seems very easy <laughs> like yeah, very- <laughs> I, I, that's what I, i've noticed that with classical musicians usually when i uh, need someone to record it i mean i do know notes i can't i can't read them but i'm better at like just writing it midi i do arrange a lot of stuff uh for my own music as well i like arranging with like sample packs and stuff like that i'm good at that uh, so sometimes i have to print it out on notes for uh, for like a four piece to play and i've noticed that they're very technically very 
good. They can play whatever I show them, but they all they never get the rhythm right. I have to sort of show them the <laughs> rhythm. Like they they don't feel the rhythm. Uh, the, all right, everybody, we're gonna clap. One, two. <laughs> yeah, that's a, just just feel it. Uh, right, yeah, no. I'm running out of time, and I want to smash in a couple more things before you go to sleep here. Sure. One is we were talking about what songs uh, between albums kind of sound like they have grown out of previous songs on previous albums. Mm. If you tell me this is not one, I'm not, I'm not going to believe you anyway. <laughs> but freaking, uh, gr- first of all, Grand Theft Bovine, you could teach that in like a music theory class of mm. this is how you develop chord. <laughs> <laughs> the development that goes on here and how you'll take an idea and take it through various permutations and just mm. cha- take the same melody and then change the chords around it. So between uh, Grand Theft Bovine and Beware the Blue Skies, like, mm-hmm. what are the relationship of those two songs? Because it sounds like a sequel. Like, it yeah. sounds like you wrote the song kind of again, but differently. I, I really didn't, but I've, I've been, uh, I, I didn't think about it that at all. But I, when people started, like, telling me that, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I guess, like, the verses at least and sort of the structure is, is the same. But it's also sort of how I, I guess sometimes that's how I write music. It seems natural to do these things for me. Uh, but but actually there wasn't really a connection. But now I usually just say yeah 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 it was intentional. <laughs> freaking yeah. the second I was amped because I'm like holy shit I've heard the freaking static man from the beast I'm continuing the freaking yeah, yeah. took the ride on the blue sky I'm like this is it this something this means something this is important. <laughs> this, this <deep>. <laughs> I mean it, it might have been I can't remember when I when I wrote it like because I don't really remember much from writing stuff. Uh, so there might have been a thought yeah 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 but it's not supposed to be a sort of a sequel but if it feels it has the you, same feel i remember feeling that that it has sort of the same it has the same energy i want to present you with i was talking about how it's okay if my i, I actually not even just it's okay if my interpretations are i know different <laughs> different mm. from the intent put into the songs reading it so i want to take a boat on the sea and i've written my my reading of it my interpretation which sure. is uh, which I am calling a Marxist reading of a thing, which that's like a scary word. Mm. If I imagine, if I uh, put myself in the thinking that this song is about class conflict and like the the rulers, those who do the wars versus the ones who must go fight the wars, which is mm. definitely in there explicitly, mm. here's what I come up with. So I'm just going to read this all to you and then tell me what you think about it. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> Here it is. Allow me to present you with a Marxist reading of your third album, A Boat on the Sea. A Boat on the Sea is an anti-war, anti-imperialist album. We open with the the thesis statement, fantastic imagery of gods and a city of the sun are brought to earth with the mention of B-52s and acknowledgement of the use of military force to privatize and liquefy or simply put to extract resources from anybody who is not powerful enough to stop it. In Phantom Blow, these themes are developed. We have a literal machine or a metaphorical... I can't... I don't know in this thing if it's if it's meant to be a literal machine or if that could also just be a human who is part like a cog in the machine mm-hmm. uh, being used by some superior power, one that doesn't know or care about them. Do you, do you not know me? Uh, this this song draws class distinction. All are not equal in the war machine. Most are used, and the very very few get to use us. The underclass of the machine is used as cannon fodder in the brutal pursuit of power, resources, and ultimately money. Invisible King makes this point, but it's not like. That's another one that we, we it's like our what if butt rock was good. <laughs> Invisible uh, uh, then, uh, now I get it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but Beware the Blue Skies is further condemnation of the warmongerings, uh, specifically what it does to the countries having freedom thrust upon them. The horrors of war make new generations of fighters. Getting hell rained upon you tends to lead to some kind of retaliation, so the cycle continues in a very one-sided manner. Last section of the song brings home the imperialist element. How? Oh my god, this is like when I was like, okay, I gotta write this script. It's easy to point as the USA is like the sole perpetrator of these yeah, kinds of crimes, no. yet how many other countries play support roles? How many other countries are enriched uh, through these actions? And mm. I Freaking love that you bring that up. So I'm going to skip ahead, or it's going to take the rest of my life. Uh, isn't it easy? Isn't it easy? It's like a summation of the anti-war, anti-imperial message of the rest of the album. Uh, regardless of warning, in spite of patterns, the violent cycle that is uh, endless growth under capitalism <laughs> for now continues. The final roar you get. So this is where I'm reaching the farthest here. Mm-hmm. This is where I take my musical in the. This is, the final roar in track eight is the rubato, I am lost without you, from Phantom Below, but rather than ending like on the minor four chord, a hugely unstable chord, where you, then you go into like diminished zone for a second, mm. the instruments play that melody, and it lands on the emphatic, 
one, like with the big splash ending. Mm. Bah. <laughs> like, I take that line in Phantom Below to be like a worker talking about their boss or place of work or just like, you know, the machine. Mm. Uh, in a literal sense, workers depend on their bosses for wages that pay for their continued existence. I want to be very optimistic and say that the music for I Am Lost Without You being repeated in such a different harmonic context symbolizes a shift. Like, remember earlier when I was lost without you? That is no longer the case. Mm. I'm going home. <laughs> And my darkest possible interpretation of the I'm going home is uh, what if what if the thing that is going home is a weapon being directed back at the U.S. <laughs> Again, continuing the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, what do you think of all that? Yeah, it, it, it's you're, you're not that far off, really. Uh, there's a lot of this. this the, you're hitting the nail on the head in a lot of things, but you're forgetting sort of the. Uh, uh, well, not forgetting, but th there's a there's a spiritual aspect to the whole thing as well. Not religious, but there's sort of a uh, the spirit of man thing that goes through it. And uh, I, Phantom Below is the, the a couple of things. The B fifty two thing is correct, but it's it's uh, it's from Kurt Vonnegut from uh, his yeah. his book Hocus Pocus, which the first song is called, uh, where he talks about how uh, sort of the, the the warmongering and the pyramid it, it happens from people at the top right and they don't see really or understand the damage that they do to the things on the bottom like a b-52 bomber right he just drops the bomb he doesn't see the actual damage he never does he flies back home uh so that's a part the people uh, getting privatized and liquefied yeah yeah and so it's it's a mix of of course all, all the capitalist stuff as well the phantom below is is sort of inspired by a book uh, by a uh, Mercedes Buntz, which is uh, she's like technology professor, and it's sort of how uh, it has those elements as well as you, you mentioned. But it's also about the how, invisible revolution, right? Yeah, 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 right. So, 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 yeah. So it's about sort of how technology. It's not. Uh, it goes to the worker thing, right? Uh, an automated computer doesn't care if it works five hours or it works 48 hours in a stretch, but the human does. So uh, technology sort of gets a bad rap. It goes back to the, the Luddites, right? But um, the thing is that, like, uh, I can be the heart that brings peace to yours. It's like our relationship with technology could bring us peace, really. But instead, it just bring, brings us war, right? And well, it brings us good things as well, but they're mostly from a capitalist point of view. You know, you got Jeff Bezos who's going to send us to work in the space mine. Yeah, I, I, yeah. as a as a <laughs> Thanks, Linux Jeff. and open source software nerd, you saying that makes me very very happy, and I love that yeah. song more now. Yeah, that that's what it is. I, that, that, I just read that for I, I have a bachelor in digital culture, which is mostly useless, but there was some very Ooh. cool sort of philosophical things going on there as well. So that, that that's I think that's the first time I've been in, directly inspired by something I've read to write a song or at least lyrics that sort of went around that. Uh, but but yeah, there's also sort of a religious element to the whole thing. Like with Invisible King, you have a religious war and sort of the dogmas. It's the sort of, same sort of juxtapositions, right? You have something that it, that could potentially bring peace uh but is being misused so many times right and i don't believe in any god but i do sort of believe in a spiritual sort of connection of man to nature sort of thing without being a goddamn hippie uh, <laughs> so there's something you be a goddamn well. commie like yeah <laughs> I, I, I i mean you have to you have to remember that uh the, the 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 political party Rött, which means red here in Norway, uh, they used to be communists, like flat out. They're not as they're not anymore. They're, I mean, in American in an American sort of political graph, they're basically they're you know they're, they're hardcore communists. They're they would they're basically Marxists, but they're not here. They just want they just want us to keep our social uh, what do you call it full parachutes. Basically, they want the the social democracy the social safety net yes that's what you call it social safety net social democracy they want to uphold the social democracy the the spiritual sense that i get through the album you know especially with uh isn't it easy hmm. we found ourselves in hearts of stone i'm going home my personal read of that is especially with the song right before it sing songs and then we die hmm. we have to spend all this time fighting this capitalist machine with our limited time and like that's not what we're supposed to be doing there's Very all true. these wonderful things we could be doing instead, and you're making us have to battle you when we didn't even want to. And it's just, it, yeah. it, I kind of got this cold, frustrated feeling of, well, we're going to do it because we don't want to live like this, but yeah. we're going to resent it. it. It is that, and, and it's also sort of like, if you... Um, 
if you just deny all that, just get away from all the capitals, just try to like go over to the, like the farthest side, the farthest way you can get from it is sort of into religion and to the spiritual aspect of the soul and everything. And it's the same sort of dogma there as well. It's, it's, you, you, you'll get raped by a priest. Uh, and you know these all these laws, and like, for example in Islam, but also in Christianity, all these laws. So it's the same sort of entrapment. So you you just sort of back to where you started. You might be in a holy war for all you for all you know. Man, if we had another hour, yep, we would talk about Marx. We would go <laughs> through the difference between social democracy and socialism, which is a, oh. it's it's an important <laughs> difference. Really, it really is. Uh, yep. Yeah, I mean, if if we, just, it is very nice that people who live under the Nordic model get to have better lives. Like you don't have to work a trillion bazillion hours for no money. Like your boss mm. can't just do crimes on you, and it's nope. okay. Nope. Like in the U.S., but at the same time, we have very strong unions. Yeah, exactly. You have. We we we, we did a whole thing about how in Denmark was it Denmark and uh, like McDonald's want to show up and they didn't want to pay the yeah. union rates so like. 20 different industries were like, we're not going to deliver your fries. Yeah. We're not going to put up your signs. We're not going to put their things on the newspaper. Like they squatted up and said, fuck you, McDonald's. Yeah, you have to follow yeah. the rules. Yeah, that's, that's the way it is. And it works. I like that. Like, that's great. And, and, and it's it's not violent protest. It's just protest through inaction. Uh, and it fucking yeah. works because it hits their bottom line. And, and it doesn't really cost them that much to actually, like, the, the demands are never crazy. They're always very reasonable. Oh, yeah. So it's like, well, if we just give in to their demands, it's not even like, it's not even 1% of our uh, of our profits. And then you talk about the difference between living in a kinder, gentle cap, kinder, gentler capitalism. Like, yeah, maybe everyone within, well, I don't know, to use the capital W, Western countries, whatever the <laughs> hell that means. Yeah. Like, if all the Western countries' citizens were all treated very well and had good wages, but were still extracting resources from the Middle East, fucking up Cuba, mm. messing with Brazil, like, if we're still doing all this, that doesn't make it, like, better. It's better for the individual citizen within the thing. Yeah. I but mean, just because, yeah. But at the same time, that's sort of the thing in Norway, like, uh, social democracy is still like the capitalism is still a thing but you need to really keep it in check because if you just let it go by itself it fucks everything up but at the same time you know we're we are hypocrites and that's what i think about in where the blue skies like we're still i mean we're one of the i think we're the fourth largest exporters and manufacturers of weapons in the world while we're also these like a peace negotiator uh but the, the good thing about having everything well, not everything but a lot of it state-owned is that you can go directly after the politics uh politicians yeah if it, if it's just a pharmaceutical company and like the, the the ceo or whatever he can just fuck off and start something new if you, you can go directly, you can vote people out, right? Which is great. And we have a lot of uh, political parties, not just two shots fired. <laughs> Which hey. are you, I don't remember who it was. Who has the like <laughs> Supreme Court that has like 150 justices? Is that Sweden? It could be. Like I said, we don't like Sweden. So I don't know shit about them. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a Supreme Court? How many people are in it? Uh, I'm not sure. We just got a new cabinet. So there's a lot, there's a bunch of new ministers and shits. Uh, I actually met a few of them. Two days ago, because they, they were at the school. Uh, I'm not sure. It would be a quick Google, but we got we got a bunch, but not that many. Not 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 nearly that many. But there's some some strange ones that you don't like. Why do we have this? I can't like. Uh, I can't remember. But like you have to remember, we're a very uh, sort of rural country. There's mostly just mountains here, right? So uh, there's a lot of uh, you know farming communities and stuff like that that has to be that has a lot of say still. Uh, what, what usually happens is that Oslo gets more and more more power because it's much more capitalistic here, and then uh, the smaller places start fighting back, and there are a lot, there's a lot of them, and so they gain more power, and it sort of evens out. It's, it's sort of a tug of war. They sort of keep each other in balance. So because we don't want fucking communism as well, because that's that's too much. That's too much to the left. So you pull back towards the right. But when the right goes, it's just free late stage capitalism, and it's, it's a hellhole. So we pull back the other way. And then you find this sort of equilibrium in the middle. And I'm not saying we're centrists. I'm not saying that. You are center left. It's just the yeah. U.S. happens to be right. Yes. <laughs> like far right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean the, the most left leaning politicians in America would be seen as far right here in Norway. Yeah, our what is it? Our Overton window is to the right, and yours is uh, a little bit 
left. It sounds like we we're I, we like to say that that reality has a left wing bias, right? And it's very true here. <laughs> I've heard that in years. It's Colbert. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and it's the same. Like uh, you should be able to make money, but you need to pay pay your fair share for what you do because you stand on the backs of the people that came before you. Uh, and that's sort of an ethos that sort of because we're we, we're basically a bunch of farmers that found oil. We're, we're like old Vikings and old farmers, and then we found shitloads of oil, and we got really rich really fast. But they were smart. Listen to this. Uh, uh, the guys who found the oil, they, they formed a, co- a committee, and they tried, like, who were, like, we have all these numbers. We were good with numbers. We need somebody to tell us how should we use this fucking money. And they hired a philosopher to come in and tell them, like, w- what they should do. And, so, and they hired him. So it's like the first guy who, who worked with the oil fund, and, like, it should be morally, it should go back to the people in Norway it should be used in these kind of ways sometimes it goes to shit and they they suddenly invest in fracking but then they get a lot of shit from us and they stop uh, but it's just pretty crazy to me that they fucking hired a philosopher to tell them like how should we don't have morals how do, how do we moral please help <laughs> you know what I'm, I'm no okay if if, if, if if any person if any leader in the United States for whatever reason is listening to this it's okay to say sorry I don't have morals but yeah. pass it off to someone else, please, yeah. please. Yeah, let me tell you about a planned economy. Uh, <laughs> it is already after midnight for you, and I don't want to keep no, any no, longer. No, it's fine, it's fine. So, do we have any, like, I guess, final things, Dragor? Do you have anything you want to uh, ask? I, just on a personal note, I learned about uh, your songs because I was stuck in a six-hour car ride in the middle of winter driving mm. across the Midwest. A friend who was really into punk said, well, this isn't punk per se but it's weird you want to hear it and mm. defenders of the small yard was put on and mm. uh i have greatly enjoyed since thank you i mean it does have it's a little punky it's some, some of it is a little punky i guess oh absolutely. we're both if you can't tell we're like we're we are big fans we very much enjoy your music and like thanks for putting it out there thank you uh, so we can hear it Thank you. It's uh, it's it's fun to do. I'm glad people like it. There are people that will like it as much as you people do, which is very nice. Uh, yeah, I'll keep doing it. Where should we listen to your music, and how do we buy it? Uh, you can buy it from the website www.morenpolice.no because we're in Norway. My name is Sondos Kolovol, and I play in a band called Morn Police, and this has been very fun. Bye. Bye. Sky
comes no way friend to one and all We don't sell guns, we just provide a little service Hey, that's all